Well, we've come to our last sermon in our Joseph series, and it's more a focus on Joseph's father, Jacob, this week, and it's called Accepting the New and the Different. And next week, Mike is going to speak, and our theme is what it means to be an intergenerational church. I want to start by telling you a bit of a story. Have you ever completely misunderstood or misinterpreted a situation in your life? After the Second World War, a British general and his young lieutenant boarded a train in London. Now, in those British trains, often the seating is you're facing, you're in a little cube and you're facing each other. The only seats available were across from a beautiful young lady and her grandmother. The soldiers sat facing the ladies until the train entered a very long tunnel. There was total darkness. When in the silence, the train's passengers heard two distinctive sounds, a kiss followed by a slap. Everyone in the carriage had their own idea about what had just happened. The young lady thought to herself, I'm flattered that the lieutenant kissed me, but I'm terribly embarrassed that my grandmother slapped him. (laughs) The grandmother thought, I'm annoyed that he kissed my granddaughter but I'm proud that she had the courage to retaliate. The general wondered, my lieutenant showed courage to kiss that girl, but why did she slap me instead? (laughs) Only the lieutenant knew what had really happened. In that moment of darkness, he'd seized the opportunity to kiss a beautiful girl and slap his general at the same time. (laughs) The Christian life can be a bit like that. It's not always easy to discern what's going on around us. And sometimes we can get it wrong. After Joseph and his wider family of 75 moved to Egypt, Little more is said about them in the Bible. Over the next 400 years, their family grew to over 2 million people. And then Moses arrived on the scene to set them free from slavery in Egypt and to lead them into the promised land of Canaan. We've got to ask ourselves, why didn't they move back to Canaan after seven years of famine? They were probably very comfortable in Egypt and God did nothing to encourage them to move. It was easier to make a a living in the Nile Delta than in the barren hills of Judea. The land was fertile, the, the climate was warmer, there was no snow in winter and Egypt had the Nile River that didn't depend on rain whereas Canaan needed rain to rescue them from the dry 
times. If they'd returned when the famine was over, there would have been too few of them to conquer the people of Canaan and to take the land off them. And so the Jews worked for long hours making bricks for Egypt's building programs. A lot of those pyramids in Egypt were made by Jewish slaves. But today, like I said, I'd like to consider things from the perspective of Joseph's father, Jacob. When Jacob was a young man, he was a liar, a cheat, and a deceiver. But he was also determined to be blessed by God. And so he dressed up in animal skins to get his father's blessing before his his father Isaac died. He made out he was the oldest son. His father touched him and felt he was a hairy man, but it was the skins of an animal that he was clothed with. And he stole his brother's birthright in that event. But he also had some absolutely amazing experiences of the presence of God. I want to read one or two of them to you. Let's start with Genesis 28 verses 12 to 15. So Joseph had this dream and he dreamt of a stairway that reached from earth to heaven. And he saw the angels of God going up and down on this ladder, this stairway. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I will give it to you and to your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will cover the land from east to west and from north to south. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more, I will bring you I will be with you and I will protect you wherever you go. I will someday bring you safely back to the land. I will be with you constantly until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you. Imagine having a a dream like that where God is speaking to you in a dream. But look closely at that second last sentence where he says, I will someday bring you safely back to this land. We'll discuss that a wee bit later on. And then on another occasion that's described in Genesis 32, Jacob wrestled throughout the night with an angel. He could not overcome the angel and had his his hip dislocated. Jacob said to the angel, I will not let you go until you bless me. The angel told Jacob his name would be changed to Israel because he had struggled with God and with men and had overcome. What an incredible experience. Imagine if something like that happened in your life. And so after those two amazing experiences, Jacob probably expected that his life would be filled with God's blessing and prosperity. But he was terribly upset when his sons brought to him Joseph's coat that was covered in blood. His sons implied that Joseph had been killed by a wild animal. 
And Jacob's response to this was in Genesis 37, verse 35, where he said, Joseph, my son, is dead. I will continue to mourn until I join my son in the grave. He's pronouncing a curse over himself. He is saying that for the rest of my life, I will ne never get over the, the loss of my son Joseph. I will be miserable. I will mourn for the rest of my days. He had misinterpreted a situation and his response to that placed a curse over his life. And so the next 22 years of his life were filled with sorrow and self-pity and he had no more of those amazing encounters with the Lord. Have you enjoyed special encounters with the Lord in days gone by? Are these experiences less frequent these days? Has your faith in God declined? Is it because of a negative experience, an illness, the loss of a loved one, or a feeling that God has let you down? Has your heart become hardened or made cold? Are your beliefs based on correct information or incorrect information, just like Jacob's were? Jacob's sadness continued until Joseph was found. Let's read Genesis 45. Joseph's brothers went up out of Egypt and came to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan. They said to him, Joseph is still alive. In fact, he's the ruler of all Egypt. Jacob was stunned. He did not believe them. But when they told him everything Joseph had said to them, and when they saw the carts Joseph had sent to carry him back, the spirit of their father Jacob revived. And Israel said, I'm convinced my son Joseph is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. Jacob came to terms with his 22 years of sorrow and he agreed to leave Canaan and move to Egypt to be with Joseph. But moving to Egypt was particularly difficult for Jacob for two main reasons. At this point, he was over 100 years old. And as many of you know, as we grow older, change becomes more difficult. We say things like, things aren't the way they used to be. In my day, we used to, and we've got all sorts of stories we tell. And in Jacob's mind, it also seemed to contradict God's word to his father Isaac and his grandfather Abraham because Canaan was to be the land of promise. God had made all those promises to Abraham and Isaac about the land of Jacob, of the land of Israel, of Canaan. In uh, Genesis 15, verse 13 to 16, it said... 
though, that Jacob would leave his family in Egypt for 400 years until the wickedness of the Amorites was complete. So there's all these prophecies over his life. One of them said that they would leave Canaan for 400 years, but then they would come back again. Wouldn't it be amazing if these dreams and prophecies that God gives us had dates on them so that we knew exactly when they were going to be fulfilled? So God couldn't just take the land from the Amorites and the Canaanites and hand it to them. He had to, had to wait until they became so evil that they gave up their right to that land. And eventually the Amorites reached a point where God said the Jews could then come in and occupy their land. God is patient and loving, but eventually he will act in judgment. So how does this relate to us today? Are we open to embrace change in the same way that Jacob did? Jonathan Edwards, a famous revivalist in the, the US years ago, said it is the task of every generation to discover in which direction the sovereign redeemer is moving and then to move in that direction. That's what our generation should be asking. What is God doing in the world today? What's he doing in New Zealand, in Taupo, at Taupo Baptist Church? Because throughout history, the church has gone off the rails on numerous occasions. And people have come that have been focused on what God is saying that has brought the, the, the church back into line with what God is wanting to do. In Hebrews 11, there's a whole list of great men and women of faith. And every one of those people that are listed did things differently. Noah, Moses, and Rahab, they were praised and exhorted for their faith, but their promises weren't fulfilled in their lifetime. And then the, the church went off the rails for centuries and it became ritualistic and you could buy your salvation by paying penances to the church. And then God raised up Martin Luther in the 16th century who said, we can only come to God through faith in Jesus Christ alone. He brought the church back to the truth. And then John Calvin came along and he made the people aware of the importance of God's grace. We don't have to earn our salvation. It's a gift to us from God. And then we had revivalists like Wesley and Whitfield and they focused on a personal experience of God. That in the past, if you were part of a Christian family, then you automatically went to heaven. But Whitfield and Wesley said, no, no. It's a personal decision. You as individuals have got to declare your faith in Jesus Christ. Then we had the Welsh Revival, and whereas most previous revivals had focused on great preachers, the main focus of the, of the Welsh Revival that really brought the presence of God was worship, was singing, 
and testimony. You know, it's so easy to put God in a box and say, God's got to do things the way we want, but we need to be listening to what God is saying to us today. Where the Holy Spirit is, there is freedom. We can't franchise God like a fast food chain. We can't look at what's happened somewhere else and say, if we do that here, then God's going to move. We've got to listen to God ourselves. We're to honour him, flow with him, and not try to force him to do things our way. What is God saying to our generation? What is he saying to our church here in Topol today? If we resist what God wants us to do, we can become lifeless and ineffective, just going through the motions. Jacob, who'd had an intimate relationship with the Lord, lost his sense of God's presence. Sometimes God has to prepare us for something new and different. And this can be an exciting adventure, a time of obedience and fruitfulness. How long has it been since the Lord has been real to you? Could it be that the Lord is saying something fresh and exciting to each of us today? He may, may want us to accept something completely new, something different. Or to clarify our thinking or on some misunderstanding that we've made in the past. Jumping to wrong conclusions can give the enemy a foothold in our lives. Satan is known as the accuser, and he wants to load us up with doubt, self-condemnation, and guilt. When Jacob saw Joseph's blood-stained coat, he blamed himself for everything that had happened. He thought, well, I've been proud. I've favoured Joseph. I've treated him better than his brothers. I've brought this on myself because of what I did. But now Jacob realised that God hadn't deserted him. And in fact God had been involved in everything that had happened, even the bad things. You know, many parents have regrets concerning the raising of their children. They may feel guilty because they've overprotected a child spoiled a child, not spent enough time with their children. We can all look back and think, if only I'd done things differently. God's promise to Jacob was still coming to fruition. God had said in Genesis 28, I will be with you. I will protect you wherever you go. I will someday bring you safely back to this land. Jacob now realised that to be brought back meant that he had to leave. He was worried about being 100 years old and leaving his beloved Canaan. But now, when he studied God's prophecies to him, he knew that he had to leave to be brought back. And it was his bones that eventually came back and were buried in Israel, and you can go to Hebron where there's an amazing uh, structure where 
It's the burial place of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Maybe there's a verse, a promise or a prophetic word that's been spoken over your life. But over the years you've convinced yourself that it's not going to happen. Something will happen one day that will cause you to say, now everything makes sense. God can turn our greatest failures into our greatest successes. We're the children of God. We're joint heirs with Christ. God is concerned and involved in every single thing that happens to us. Just like you're concerned about your own children. God loves each of us. We're precious. We're special. He's concerned about what happens to us. So Jacob had a fresh vision for the first time in 22 years. He was a frightened old man, but God said to him in Genesis 46, Don't be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will see to it that you become a great nation there. I will go with you down to Egypt, and I will bring your descendants back again. But you will die in Egypt with Joseph at your side. God restored their relationship and re prepared Jacob for the final chapter of his life. Why couldn't Jacob have just stayed in Canaan? Why does God sometimes move us when we're actually quite comfortable? Why did we go to the other side of the world and live in Baku for three years? It was good, but we did question what we were doing there at times. Jacob would die in Egypt and his body would be brought back to Canaan. It's not where we die that matters, but who we're with and what happens to us after we die. Death will one day be just another experience of God's presence and faithfulness. God is saying to us individually and as a congregation this morning, fear not to go to Egypt or anywhere else I call you, for I will go with you. It's the amazing thing about hearing God's voice because if we hear him and we obey him, he goes with us. On Sunday, September the 29th, and there's a slide for this, uh, we're going to have our AGM. Now, in the past, we've had the AGM after a morning service, but we're changing the format because we want you to be more involved in the decision-making of this church, and we want you to have the opportunity to share your thoughts on different things. And so before the AGM, we're going to give you the annual report. And we want you to read that from cover to cover. And when, we, when you come to our AGM, which we're not going to call an AGM, it's a visionary meeting. And also it's a dessert and coffee evening. It's going to be really easy going. It's not going to be like a, a business meeting. But we will go through that report. And if there are any questions you have about any of the reports, you can ask those questions to the coordinator or leader of that particular ministry. As most of you know, we are considering plans 
for an upgrade of our facilities and we will consult with you about that. But don't jump to wrong conclusions like Jacob did. Don't assume that we are going to encumber the church with a large debt. We have other options available to finance this. But let's move forward with an attitude of humility, reverence, praise and expectation. Let's identify any barriers or misconceptions that may hinder our progress and our relationship with each other and with the Lord. Like Jacob, let's renounce any careless words that we've spoken and break their power over our life and over our church. Let's acknowledge the Lord's sovereignty and reaffirm our desire to follow him today. We have an exciting future ahead of us as a body of believers as we walk in step with him. Let's pray. Father God, we welcome your presence and we pray that through your Holy Spirit we will become all that you have called us to be. Lord, give us faith and confidence to face the future in the knowledge that you are with us to lead us and to guide us. Amen. Yeah.